The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Mindhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. I, I thought it was a sales job, so I went and got a sale, a real sales job. I was selling interior design and decor fabrication programs for big box retailers like Kroger and Safeway and stuff like that, grocery and drug. Um, and my thought there was, if I can sell interior design yeah. to a grocer who has a business model with a built-in 2% EBITDA margin, 2% margin is what grocery stores run on. Yeah, is that, is that thin? It's that thin. I can pretty much sell anything to anybody, right? So like that's, yeah. that's the reason that I wanted to take that is because it was a challenge. It was hard and interesting because it's different, right? Yeah. Um, so I did that for a bit and really started to get my legs. And that was fun. I was flying all over the country. I was 26, 28 years old and right. thinking it's pretty cool. Um, and that was that was a uh, super fun. My dad calls and says, Hey, he bought this company in the in that same time period, and he was like, I need your help. So um, Got it. but it's interesting because you're an interesting guy because you you're taking jobs, and that's hard to do when you're in your 20s, right? From the purview of you know, wow, I can learn so much. If I can succeed at this, I'll be at this higher level in sales and abilities for the next stage of whatever is going to happen in my life. I mean, not necessarily planned out, but it's it's a lot of guys. I don't think even at 26, I was I had that much vision. Oh, I should do this because it's going to further my skills. You know, I, just, um, I think I, I think I knew I wanted to be a business owner. I didn't, yeah. but I didn't know what kind of business owner. I knew I wasn't right. going to do boundary work because that's what I grew up. Right, with. But you're like gathering skills that could help you no matter where yeah. you land your feet, right? And I, now here's my here's my advice to your listening audience. Okay, don't overthink it and get. If you want to be a business owner, just do it. Like if I started as the information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. 
Hi, it's David Weaver with Franchise and Franchise Your Freedom. I'm super excited to be here today to uh, share my background, experience, and uh, understanding in franchising. Um, I started my journey uh, back in corporate America, um, had a stint in family business, uh, worked for a finance company, so blend all that together. And now I get to help people follow their dream of business ownership through franchising by giving them a foundation to build from in selecting the right franchise so that ultimately you get to have a business that you actually want to own. Okay, I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of the podcast. If you are listening on your favorite directory and you can leave us a five-star review, please do so and help us keep bringing good content to good people. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. So uh, we have a, a guest of mine from the Midwest. Uh, I forget, David, we'll figure out how we were introduced in a few minutes, um, but I appreciate you joining me. I know you're a little under the weather. Um, so it's a good thing we're not in the same room together, but I made you get up at eight o'clock uh, uh, mountain time. It's 10 o'clock here. So I, I appreciate you sticking with this and uh, we'll get through it. So hopefully you won't lose your voice halfway through. Um, but why don't we start with, um, you know, your background and your history and your success in business. Then we can work up to having a conversation about franchising, what it does for entrepreneurs. Thank you for having me on the show, Mitchell. Um, I would say the the relevant background, I grew up in Indiana, so Midwest right. background, Mid Midwest values. Both parents own businesses. My father was in manufacturing. Okay. Uh, my mother was in interior design, so um, office furniture, cubicles, stuff like that. Got it. What did your dad so, do? What did he manufacture? Uh, we owned a foundry, so great-grandfather, oh, sure. grandfather, my, my dad and uncles. Um, we made... Um, intake manifolds for General Motors, Ford, Chrysler. So got it. Water pumps, things like that. So what's an intake manifold? Open your engine, that big silver thing that you're looking at, that's what we made. Got um, it. Got so, it. And a foundry is like, you know, they they melt down all the stuff, right? It's big things are heavy. pouring the hot orange. Yep. Yeah, right. So it must yeah, be heavy. heavy manufacturing. So yeah. <clears throat> that was the big foundry. So that was... Um, High production aluminum foundry. We did brass and bronze as well, non-ferrous. Um, and then he sold that business in his mid-50s. And he kind of felt like he was too old to go get a job and too young to retire. So right. he went and bought us another small foundry in Detroit. Um, oh, and that right. made robotics parts for the uh, spot welding gun industry. So for like on, on like um production lines like automobile production lines those types of things yeah exactly so the spot on the guns like weld the um sheet metal to the frame so like a car door a roof panel right things like that. so Got we it. made those high copper alloys very tricky metal um specialty foundry um that's the foundry that i ran in uh in early 2000 so Got it. okay so that was kind of my real life MBA, as I call it. I worked there from 2000 to 2004. And that was in Indiana? In Detroit. We Detroit. lived in, Okay. Yeah. Oh, Ferndale, makes sense, right? Michigan. Yeah. Yep, Ferndale, Michigan. I lived in um, Huntington Woods, which oh, is a okay. great little community there. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, it makes sense to be servicing the auto industry company in Detroit, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's kind of family business background. Um, ultimately, you know, I didn't, I, I chose not to work in the family business for the next 30 years. And I said, dad, thanks, but no, thanks. 
I'm going to raise my kids in the mountains of Colorado because I was in Colorado to start. Um, and I moved from, you know, back from Colorado to Denver, or I'm sorry, to Detroit to, um, to help my dad. So my kids, I had a one-year-old uh, daughter and a two-year-old son or three-year-old son. This is when you were working and running the foundry. And I'm at the foundry and I just, I kind of had an epiphany or a panic attack. I'm not sure which I thought <laughs> I'm going to blink and my son is going to graduate from high school and right. I will have spent 20 years in Detroit. Yeah. I, I think in hindsight, it's an epiphany at the time. It was probably a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I just was like, I want to live my life in the mountains of Colorado. And so yeah, I can sure. do anything to, to make a living. And Better so quality of life. So what happened to the foundry? Did your dad continue running it? Did he sell it? What, what happened with that? Business? Yeah, he continued running it for another five years. So I put structure in place, systems in place and the foundry. And and uh, ultimately, he he ended up selling that and and he retired down to Florida. So you didn't leave him high and dry. You kind of set it up so he can have an exit. I, I, I did not leave him high and dry. That's correct. Got it. Okay. Um, and so <clears throat> I, I get to Denver. And this is and how many years ago you moved to Denver? 2004. Four is when so I moved. Talking, yeah, so eighteen years ago. Yeah, and okay. so I knew that I wanted to be in Colorado, so I'm going to establish myself for the next thirty years um, right. and set up a network. And so I also knew that I was never going to put myself in a position where they can offshore your job or your right. right. So no well, did you move there without a job? I did. I just I, picked up and said, "I'm going <clears> back." I didn't. I didn't exactly move there without a job. I um, took a vacation okay. and I jumped in my car and I called my buddy up from East Lansing, Michigan, who then now lives in uh, in Denver. Okay. And I slept on his couch for a week. And I and I just met as many entrepreneurs as I could. I'm and not. You left, so you left your wife in Detroit with the little kids. Yeah, and, and I and drove like I'm going Denver. couch surfing. I'm staying my friend's place and figure this out. Yep. And and yeah. I had one interview. I had one interview okay. with a furniture company because it was a connection that my mom had in that business. Okay. And um and I walked out of that five day week with 19 interviews. Nice. And and they were just I, I my approach was I just want to talk about the economy yeah, and there's and a lot to be said about networking. It works. It totally works. Networking yeah. is the best way to grow any business. Yeah, you don't go and get a job by sending out like 26 resumes. You're not going to hear anything. It's all yeah. Connections, who you meet, who you impress. Yeah. Yeah. Who this else was, I, uh, I guess there was, was, there wasn't a lot of social media and stuff at that, at that point, right? Not a lot of these platforms and ways to connect. You had to like do it organically. Well, and this, and this is also 2003, right? So the end of 2003, I stuck around for another six months to help my dad. That's why I didn't get to Denver to 2000, late 2004. Got it. Um, but basically, yes, you like, you didn't have, you know, you didn't have anything or if it was in his infancy, yeah. maybe. Right. Yeah. You didn't yeah. have any. Of that. So, so you were still working at the foundry. You took two weeks off to explore this. Now, did yeah. you know you're going to Denver no matter what? Or you were kind of like, OK, let's see if this works and I can find a place nope. to land or you were going. Nope. that was my that was my story in 2003. Okay. Hey, Mitchell, thanks for talking to me. I am moving my family to, to Denver like in two months. Yeah. Um, and, and I help me out. Well, like, tell me, tell me what's going on in this market. I have been gone for five years or whatever. So you were all in. You were like, this is happening. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's happening. Yep. OK, yeah. well, that yeah. that helps. Right. <laughs> it does. Commitment. Yeah. Um, so that works. I ended up getting a job with a small um, non-bank lender. That was interested in penetrating the franchise space. Didn't exactly know how they couldn't get their current sales team 
to spend any time on that because underwriting a, a, a startup company like no bank wants to do that, right? That's right. that's why we have the SBA. Um, so the the owner of the company wanted to dig in here a little bit and figure out how do we how do we underwrite the franchisor to the extent that it could offset our risk or build a relationship with a single franchisor to offset a risk for all of the the loans for the different franchise owners. Got it. So you would you would do work with the franchisor expecting to lend to each franchisee that wanted to open locations under yes. the franchise agreement. Yeah, I was not Got interested it. in lending one loan. I was setting up a program so I could do a hundred loans. Right. And but you were basically in like, business development at that point for them. That's what yeah, they were yeah. I just yeah. had a sales job. And Got it was a small company. So I was working directly with the owner, which which helped on with my and you said they were a not meaning they were a non-retail bank lender, like they were a bank, right? But they weren't a retail bank. Um, it was not a bank. It was a leasing company. Oh, okay. But, sure. So it was a leasing company. But the reason I say we're a non-bank lender is we did more loans than leases, right? So we right. did loans, but it- and Just so, you weren't a chartered bank, right? Exactly. Correct. And and we didn't take deposits and stuff. Right. Like that. Nothing so like that. Anymore. Federal Reserve requirements. Yeah. And we were charging a lot higher interest rate than most. And so then- Well, so, yeah, a lot of risk, right? Yeah. We were taking a lot of risk. Yeah. And so how do you do that? So what was cool about that was- I kind of looked at myself and I was like, I don't see myself as a banker at all, but I also don't know a lot about why banks lend to certain companies and don't lend to other companies. That was intriguing to me. I wanted to know why. Right. Um, and I kind of looked at myself and said, you don't know anything about banking. What are you getting in this for? A, I can learn something. And B, I just turned around a heavy manufacturing foundry. So how hard can this be? I'll do it. I'm just going to do it. Right. And I, I gave him a commitment that the VP or the, the office manager, the, the general manager was like, David, you're a bit overqualified to be a sales guy in a leasing company. So why do you want to do this? And I said, look, I'll give you a 12 month commitment. I will not quit. You give me a 12, you move me to Denver and I'll stick around for 12 months. And I stayed there for like six or seven years. Cause I it mean, was it's a blast. great background, right? It's a great. It was a if you can make a living, enjoy doing it. You're going to learn a hell of a lot. From the standpoint of how to, you know, be bankable, I guess, really, when it comes to to business. And I got to talk to all these entrepreneurs that, you know, were some were sliding sideways. The banks won't talk to them. They're mad about it. I'm like, hey, this is why. And so I got to teach and educate, which is probably what got me super consultant. So so you almost accidentally fell into the franchise industry really because of this uh, job. Oh, yeah. yeah. I had no interest in franchising before Landmark decided they they needed to be, that's the direction they wanted to go. Okay. The more I learned about franchising, the more I fell in love with it. Franchising, this segment is is filled with so many great people. Yeah. I I really, and, and there's also the underbelly, right? So there's- Yeah, you got to be careful, people, right? But there, the premise of franchising is I want to help you and if I can help you and you are successful, I win. That's right. the culture that right. it's supposed for. to be a team approach, a quid pro quo. We're yeah. helping, we're all benefiting if it's a if it's a good franchise. That's right. And yeah. so people that that look at business with that approach gravitate towards franchising. And so the franchising segment is filled with a bunch of great people that all think like that. This is this is my opinion, right? This is yeah, of course. the people that I seek out. Um, and, and I love it. I love it. I, uh, you know, the auto business by contrast is very win lose, right? So your, your purchasing agents beat the, beat you down, beat you down, beat you down. And 
And if I can convince you to get the lowest possible price, I win as a purchasing agent, right? Right. Well, then the economy tips and nobody can deliver. And then the suppliers are like, I'm going to gouge the heck out of you. Yeah, they just beating the shit out of you. You know, you take a pound of flesh back when they took it from you. That's right. That's not a good symbiotic relationship. Yeah, That's actually the reason I left Detroit and came to Denver. I was like, I don't want to live in this win-lose environment. Yeah, it's a toxic environment. Exactly. Just personal choice. So, right. so you're living in a toxic environment. You're missing your kids growing up. Nobody wants to do that. People mm. feel like they don't have a choice, but you I mean, you took, you said, I'm going to change this. So it has a lot to, I give you a lot of credit for doing that. Yeah. So to be clear, I didn't leave my kids. I, they, I was gone for a week and then we moved. No, I realized that. Yeah. You took them with you. Yeah. 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 Right. So, but the job in Detroit was keeping you away from the kids. You know, you're going to grow up and you're going to be miserable. And then you're like, you said, you blink. Um, look, I'm sure your quality of life in Denver and in Colorado has been much better for the kids and outdoors stuff and all kinds of great things than it would have been in Detroit. I could tell good things about Detroit, but it is, you know, it's yeah. Detroit. So well, I don't, I don't, I, uh, I, I don't uh, have any real ill feelings about Detroit. I think Detroit is a great community of people. Yeah. Um, I just didn't like the auto business, right? So yeah. from there you, go. you get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And the and our business has treated a lot of people very well, and including my extended family back in back in Indiana. So um yes, Denver uh is where I raised my kids. They all went off to college and I got one of the Marines that's uh stationed in Japan for three years. Super proud of him for nice, kind of making nice. his own path. Thank him for his service. Yeah, it's super cool to watch just to watch him sort of mature and and um his confidence is rock solid today because so. Uh, I did not grow up in a military family, but I, I absolutely love it. It's it's like a whole new thing to learn, right? So, nice. I, um, yeah, I don't know if you're noticing. Is that him over that. your right shoulder? Yes. Yes. Sir. There you go. Yeah. So he's a, he's a cool kid. And I got two two girls um, in each in college, uh, different stages in college. So I'm super proud of the kids, uh, which is great. But um you know, my, I think the commonality, the accidental entrepreneur, if you're thinking, if you're wondering, should I do this? Could I do this? I, my whole thing is if you see yourself as somebody that continually wants to learn something new, like I'm right. putting myself into this project, this idea, I'm researching something just because like it's your hobby. You want to learn new things like you, that's being an entrepreneur, like right. entrepreneurs are fueled by by that. And, and if you do that naturally, like, why are you working for somebody? It's business ownership when it works is unbelievably fabulous. And, and, you know, it's also a lot of hard work. So people that don't like to learn don't also don't like to work hard. Right. Some people don't have the stomach for it. They just get too stressed out thinking, I mean, I'm look, you and I both know you can be employed by somebody and not be so secure in your job. You just think you are till something (laughs) happens, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can, You can carve a better path. There's no question about it. But I, you know, I find it interesting. So, did you do business development for the foundry, or you were really in operations and running the place when you were? There? I was in operations. I was. I. I mean, I melted metal when the metal melter was hungover. Right. I made molds. I cut off on the saw. So, I, was this your first real? Call it for what it is. A sale, first real sales job, business development, where you're. Oh no! You, yeah. No, you. No, I started. I started working uh, management training program out of college. I would. I went to Indiana Business School um, and and worked for an elevator company, Montgomery the Kelly School at IU. Or did yes, we sir. talk about that? Right, my son came at IU. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were. Yeah, back yeah. on the. He came um, out of the Luddy School, the computer science. But yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I graduated from the Kelly uh, Business School, marketing right. and management, got into a, you know, really corporate job management training program, very f- uh, structured. Uh, it got me to Denver. Um, then I was like, that was cool. That was pro- really project management. It was a sales job, but it was a project management, hardcore construction, big projects. Got it. Um, and I was a kid that was a good foundation, but but I was not a corporate guy. Like the whole <laughs> politics and make sure you say the right, right thing. And I was like, take care of the customer, everything else will follow. You know, that didn't work. Like that right. was you the, have to have a certain temperament for corporate, there's no question. Yeah. And and so, you know, everybody's built a little bit differently. So yeah. um I I thought it was a sales job. So I went and got a sale, a real sales job. I was selling interior design and decor fabrication programs for big box retailers like Kroger and Safeway and stuff like that, grocery and drug. Um, and my thought there was, if I can sell interior design yeah. to a grocer who has a business model with a built-in 2% EBITDA margin, 2% margin is what grocery stores run on. Yeah, is that, is that thin? It's that thin. I can pretty much sell anything to anybody, right? So, like, that's, yeah. that's the reason that I wanted to take that is because it was challenge. It was hard and interesting because it's different, right? Yeah. Um, so I did that for a bit and really started to get my legs, and that was fun. I was flying all over the country. I was 26, 28 years old and right. thinking it was pretty cool. Um, and that was that was a uh, super fun. My dad calls and says, Hey, he bought this company in the in that same time period, and he was like, I need your help. So Got it. Um, but it's interesting because you're an interesting guy because you you're taking jobs and that's hard to do when you're in your 20s, right? From the purview of, you know, wow, I can learn so much. If I can succeed at this, I'll be at this higher level in sales and abilities for the next stage of whatever is going to happen in my life. I mean, not necessarily planned out, but it's it's a lot of guys. I don't think even at 26, I was I had that much vision. Oh, I should do this because it's going to further my skills. You know. I, just, um, I think I, I think I knew I wanted to be a business owner. I didn't, yeah. but I didn't know what kind of business owner. I knew I wasn't right. going to do boundary work because that's what I grew up. Right, with. but you're like gathering skills that could help you no matter where yeah. you land your feet, right? And I, now here's my here's my advice to your listening audience. Okay. Don't overthink it and get, if you want to be a business owner, just do it. Like if I started as a 26 year old and, and had this philosophical idea about learning yeah i should have just been doing it as a business oh owner, my god you'd be i was yeah, i was trying to do it now. the safe yeah. way right i was trying right. to be like you know i'm quasi and i'm building and i'm building like an inventory of knowledge unfortunately like, the life doesn't work like that you don't get the well, 10 years goes you know. by right like, yeah you know and then and then i finally took this took the step in 2009 and 10 like like active get get going and I and I made more money than I ever made in the last 10 years. And I was like, wow, what was I waiting for? Right. right. Well, so, it's always like, you know, if we knew then what we know now and had the vision, we would be, you know, 40 years ahead of where we end up. But the life isn't like that. You don't get that opportunity. No. To look for, you know, you don't have the high the foresight. That's why that's why I love being guest on podcast because here, here I am, 50 years old, talking yeah. about to my 25-year-old self. Yeah, which Insane. hopefully there's another guy out there who's 25 yeah, and right. something will go off. Exactly. I agree. That's why I love doing what I do. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. about it. But if I knew also in my 20s what I've spent the last 30 years learning about business and working with businesses and dealing with all the stuff, I mean, my God, I probably wouldn't be practicing law. I would be, you know, owning several companies and whatever. I mean, I'm happy practicing law. I like helping people, but it would have been a different path, you know. 
parents, but we yeah. don't get that. They, you don't leave the hospital. They give your parents a book and say, listen, this is how you raise your children. And when your children get to this age, you show them chapter 17 wow. and then they take over from there. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. That's <laughs> actually, that's you, you point out a good, uh, one of the things I love about franchising yeah. is how do you become a business owner without franchising, right? Because the way right. that you become a business owner in traditional America is if my grandfather's a plumber, he taught my dad to be a plumber. I'm probably going to be a plumber, right? And my dad, right? I mean, I got into the foundry business. How do you know? Yeah, I mean, you would never have been in that business if it wasn't no. like your dad did. No way. Now, if you want to be a business owner, how do you get into the massage business? That's one of the franchises I've owned. Or in how do you own a pet store? Because that's a franchise that I own today, right? right? Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to get into podcasting? Maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit, created specially for our listeners. Care for your health. Care for the planet. And look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. It's the franchise says this is how you do it. And you step in. Well, there. That's the advantage. Sure. Right. And then you can say to your kids. I've got 10 pet stores. Do you want to be in the pet business or do you want me to help you invest in a different franchise? That's more of your passion. And right. then you, you help your kids get into a thousands of opportunities. Now, let me ask you this question. I don't know if the data is out there, but we know that business failure within the first year or two is very high. Right. But if you carved out like franchises, is their success rate higher than the average? Because a lot of the reason why businesses fail is because of the fact that they don't have a track to run on. They don't write a business plan. They don't have systems in place. They don't have a mentor. All the things that we say people should do, write a business plan, have an advisor or people that you get advice from, do all these things. Is, the, is there statistics that using a franchise buying into a franchise, a good one, let's say, it's assume we put the crap aside, right? One that's supportive of what you do. 
is your chance of success significantly higher than if you just throw caution to the wind and start on your own? I'm curious. That's a great question. I get that question quite a bit. Um, here's the fa- here here's the stats on that. Okay. Um, the the IFA, the International Franchise Association. If you go back to 99 2003 timeframe, they were publishing the success ratio over franchises are X higher than small business startups, right? Yeah. They quit doing that because, you know, the the legal folks, whatever, they they, right. they don't want to make representations, bad. get themselves in trouble. That's right. So that right. that's a bad thing to say. Um, I, I'll tell you how I coach my candidates, right? Um, s- starting a business is risky. Um, business is just not that complicated. Right. Revenue minus expenses equal profit. You have to get your revenue up quickly. So focus on the things that you can control customer acquisition strategy, and operational excellence. If you can find and attract great customers and yeah. provide them with a great service, product, whatever. doesn't matter what you do. Right? It, it doesn't matter what you do. So let's, let's, let's take the widget out of it. My entire approach is follow the leadership team, track record of success. What have, yeah. the, what have the leaders of this organization done and why? why? So drill down into the why they're successful. Right. Focus on the fundamentals of the business model itself. And don't fall in love with the product or service. Like, because here's the thing. Every business is strong business development and strong culture employees. So if you can find and attract great customers that love what you do and come back over and over again, you're going to be fine. If you can find and attract great employees that actually want to do whatever it is that you, you know, you got to be a good leader. Right. So focus on the qualities that make a business fun to own, which is great leadership, great customer acquisition yeah, strategy. Those are the biggest challenges, right? Those are the biggest challenges. Why yeah. is franchising great? All the other stuff has been thought out for you, right? Like who's the right vendor? Which search engine optimization company should we be right. using? They're doing the work at the top. All of that right. back office stuff. And then you focus on what you can control. And and I, when my wife and I owned the Elements Massage, I was the back office. I didn't do much. She was doing all the front. She was the face of the company. She did an awesome, awesome job. We built a company that I was proud of. Um, Focus on your four walls. Right. I she she would get mad at the franchise or they're doing this and they're doing that and they're making me pay this fee. Look, man, focus on your four walls. Right. Build the business that you want to own. And a couple of mantras like that, like, what does building the business that you want to own mean? Yeah. It means if you want to work 10 to 15 hours a week because the franchisor sold you a semi-absentee business, then you are responsible for building and grooming a general manager that allows you to work there 10 hours a week. Right, so you can meet your goals. Sure. Yes. You build the business you want to own. The franchise isn't going to do it for you. Right. right. So if you want to make X number of dollars in profit, then you need to understand your numbers really, really well. And you need to have revenue that exceeds expenses to the tune of whatever you want to make. Right. It's just not that complicated. And people, right. that's what I try to do is people think that business ownership and entrepreneurship is this crazy leap of faith where you're jumping off a cliff without a parachute. Right. No it plans, not. nothing in writing, no business. That's why I like franchises that they force you to do some of the fundamentals like, look, you don't have to do a business plan from scratch in terms of starting the company. A lot of that's done for you. You're now participating in, in the company, right? But yeah. you do have to present a business plan to the 
person, the franchisor to say, okay, this is why we're going to be successful. And the franchisor is going to say, nah, no, you're not, you know, and, and turn you down if it doesn't support the whole system and the other people and their, and their model. And I think that that's a, an act, that's one of like the main first steps that people skip. Like they don't work things out ahead of time as to how are you going to, you know, what's your customer acquisition going to look like? How are you going to get the right people? What kind of people do you need? Where do you want to take this? Do you want to be a, an owner with 27 locations and you are pretty much absentee? Or are you going to be, you know, or it's is this more of a lifestyle business where you're going to work? And I mean, you and I both probably feel that there's not a lot to be said for that. But some people like to do that. They want to be involved in the business. They're working a lot and whatever. But I think that people, that's the biggest problem in the entrepreneurial community, in the small business community, is that too many people think I can do it on my own, right? And part of doing it on your own is skipping the steps that make you successful in franchising that you also need in the regular business world. And it leads to at least difficulties, let's say not failure, but a lot of challenges well, that are very yeah, stressful. Uh, yeah, ups and downs, unnecessary ups and downs. Right. right. Stress, pain, you know, could lead to health issues. I mean, all, all the stuff that comes with not knowing. I mean, look, even with franchise, you have somebody to go to. The best ones I know. They love interacting with the other franchisees. They share, they help each other, they're advisors to each other. This is what I did. You know, why are you successful? Why are you so successful in Denver and I can't get this thing off the ground in New Jersey? Well, you find out what, you know, like you said, it's not rocket science. You find out what are they doing? You know, a lot of times it's being relentless and just keeping after things. But yeah, I think, and and if you're on your own, you have no comparable model of your business except competitors. You bring up two really important points, and I want to give a couple of uh, two quick stories to to illustrate that. One of the things I tell people is the good franchise brands, the strong franchisors are picky. This is an awarded process. You need to be approved, right? So I had this guy that was working with another consultant in, I don't know, California, and he's in Texas. He lives in Houston. He wanted to get out of the school systems in Houston and raise his kids, you know, whatever, in a small town. So he's going to Abilene, Texas. And he, he had, by the time he got to me, he had researched eight companies. And just to clarify, you consult and work for the, the person looking to buy the franchise, right? You don't work for the franchisor. Is that correct? That, that, that's true. My, my role is very similar to that of an executive recruiter. So I offer a free service to the candidate, but the franchisor compensates me for my consulting time, just like a headhunter gets paid for finding a president or a COO for a company. Got it. Right. right. Got it. So, so this guy, um, he, he's out there looking at brands and, and he's like, you know, hey, I didn't find what I liked. I want to, you know, I said, well, what are you currently looking at? And he's like, and where are you in the process, et cetera? Well, he's looking at one of the brands that I work with, right? And so okay. I know the sales guy. So I call up Mike and I said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll call the candidate, Josh. Um, you know, hey, I'm working with Josh. I understand he's looked at everything in, in your wheelhouse. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts and and whatever? And so he says, well, he's coming to Discover Day next week, which is the last step in the process. Long story short, he's looking at this brand because it's they allow some absentee ownership and he wants to live in Houston and have this business some absentee three hours away, six hours away, wherever, how far it is. Okay. And the the franchisor at the very end of the process says, "Hey, candidate, um, what's your plan to make this come true?" Or you know, he was like, "I don't know. That's that's what you're supposed to give me. You're the franchisor. Clearly not coached very well, right? Right. Um, and and didn't really understand the relationship there, et cetera. And so they turned him down. Yeah. Oh yeah. So 
So I, I told him, I'll work with you if you decide not to move forward with that franchise brand. So he comes back and says, hey, I decided those guys were jokers. I don't like them, uh, whatever. So we start looking at brands. And so he was like, what else you got? And I, so I spent the entire, I usually do like an hour and a half consultation. And really what I want to do is help them set a foundation for the, the, the investment strategy that they're going to have. I spent the entire hour with this guy telling him you're never going to be a franchisee unless you get your mindset straight. You're looking at this wrong. Right. And thinks they're doing it all for him. And that's not the way it works. Yeah, and, and I was like, look, work with me. Don't work with me. I'm trying to help you. I've been doing this for over 10 years and right. you are wasting your time and everybody that you're talking to's time. So quit doing it. Yeah. And, and so um, net net franchisors are selective and they're selective for a reason because the good ones want you to be successful. Of course. And if you don't have it benefits them. Plan, of course. It totally, yeah. They yeah. Uh, <clears throat> doesn't the, benefit a franchise system oh, to have franchises go out of business all the time. Yes. And then all. the second thing you were talking about was peer network, right? So yeah. the first thing was Frank, the good franchise or selective, and peer network is important. So we owned our elements for four years. The first year we grew the business about 10 to 12 percent. There's elements like massage envy, and uh, there's a yes. couple others out there. Yes, sir. So it, uh, yeah, element. So the biggest player in the massage space is massage envy. Um, behind them is Hand and Stone, which is Hand and Stone. That's the other one. Yeah. Right. And then Elements is is third. So Got when it. we bought Elements back in 2013, Elements was number two. Hand and Stone was a approaching number three, and that was kind of the decision: which horse are you going to ride? Right? Yeah, of course. Um, so so we're with Elements, um, and we're we're doing okay. We're growing the business. We're we're fixing a lot of structural things internally with operations and our team, and trying to get you bought existing franchises. Correct. We bought two locations uh, in, in the Denver market. Um, Got it. Underperforming stores, turned them into high-performing stores and sold them. That was the point. Yeah, I, you know, I was wondering about that. I had a friend of mine, uh, not a friend, a client, that I helped them purchase a Pure Clean franchise. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the two guys that were running it were making like no money. Yeah. They were doing nothing. And I said to my clients, like, what makes you think, like, you're going to take this over? These guys aren't making it. They said, well, they don't understand how to grow this business and how to market it. And I know how to do this. My husband is whatever they, you can't even imagine how they've grown. He had to leave training from like, I don't know, Florida or whatever to come back. Cause they had so much business to deal with but what these other guys were doing. I can't even imagine like they weren't doing anything. So I guess, you know, the right person, right. Hey, takes advantage of the opportunity. A friend of mine gave me an analogy, which is so true. So a lot of people are like, hey, I want to buy an existing business because I want to buy existing cash flow. It's safer. Blade, and I don't right. want to build a customer base, whatever. Right. <laughs> this analogy is the most close analogy that that I can give somebody because I guess I buy existing businesses and fix them, et cetera. Right. The analogy is, do you buy a new car or do you lease a new car or do you buy a broken car? Right. Because if you buy used cars, because you can identify, you can look at a used car and be like, there's value in there. And I can and fix I know this that, right. If yeah, if, that a Honda, if a Honda Accord has 150,000 miles, I know the serpentine belt is going to come out. And that's that's $1,500 repair. Like if right. you know those things about business, you should buy existing businesses. But if you yeah. don't know those things. You get your head handed to you. Because because yeah. you you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what's broken and what's fixed. You right. may fix things that are already fine and you're going to break things that you know you you know you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I had a client of mine in the real estate business and he knew how to clean up properties. 
He knew the cost of it. He knew how to get the soil out. Whenever he would buy these things for nothing, because nobody wanted to spend the money and do it, he could do it wholesale, clean up the properties, put up a building, and now he's got tons of equity, sweat equity. But not many people would do that. <laughs> right. and and it's you know, you just have to know you have to know how to do it. So right. Um, so at any rate, one thing that's great about franchising is. You have some leg. You, you've got a leg up there. So my the, the number one franchisee in uh, Elements was in Phoenix, okay. and they were a wonderful couple, and they like to help people, whatever. So I have a conference with my franchise uh, group in Phoenix. My wife comes with me, and she spends two days with that franchisee, and we grew a hundred percent in the next year. There you go. She sat down with her and she said, this is how you do it. This is how we do it. This is what you're doing wrong. And what was cool is the back office systems are the same. So she pulled up our company in Denver on one computer and pulled up her company in Phoenix and said, see the difference in the schedule. This is how you're, you're, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. This is, you know, best practices in franchising is so powerful because you're running the exact same business with the exact same core customer, with the exact same employees, I can't tell you, I'm just a huge fan. Franchising is the easiest way to get you where you want to be in life. Business is a vehicle, whether it's a franchise or not. Right. And if you're looking at it like I'm in the yoga business, I think you're looking at it wrong. You're in the you're in the building a business business. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You can do almost almost any kind of franchise as long as your heart's in it. Right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You can own multiple franchises. They don't have to be in the same industry. That's so were right. you doing consulting at that point or no? You guys were buying franchises and starting businesses. And yes. And so I was already a franchise consultant. In oh, you are. Okay. 2011 was my first full calendar year. Uh, so in 2010, I started Franchise and I bought a bar on Denver University's campus. Now, is Franchise a franchise? Franchise is not a franchise. We're the okay. only franchise consulting group that is... Uh, we're a license agreement, which is similar but different. I won't get into the details. But you, but. so you do have like, so are you the man? Are you? Did you start Franchise or you joined them as a licensee? I joined them as a fran- as a licensee. Yeah, just so people listening, licensing is a little bit less formal than franchises. Sometimes it's not appropriate. Sometimes it's really a franchise. Don't try to call it a license. I do this a lot for a lot of people. Sometimes it's a great way to build a system and not have you know, all the red tape of franchising, but you also don't have as much, you know, control and things like that. So just for people listening. Yeah. Yes. So that you said, right, you worked for the lender for about six years. That put you out to 2011. And then you worked your way into franchise. Correct. Yep. Got it. Okay. Now, what what did, what did um, Franchise offer you as opposed to like, Starting your, you know, you're already buying franchises, right? Starting your own consulting practice. What did they bring to the table for you? That's a great question. Franchise is the platform that allows me to conduct my franchise consulting practice efficiently. Okay. Um, I I have an so you have access database information and of all the franchises and things like that, or so they we're we're franchise is the most selective franchise consulting group, meaning. We have over 200 brands in right. that we selective have. in terms of the French, uh, the franchisors that you will work with. Correct. We are very selective in what franchise brands we want to have in our inventory. So as as comparison, other companies will do license agreements, business opportunities, and franchises. So right. they represent 600. I'm making that number up, right? But right. a lot, a lot of more. brands. 
And and basically what I want to be able to say is I'm only going to show you the ones that are the best. Yeah. And, and the ones, and so Franchise does a very good job of um, Betting. interviewing and screening yeah. right. the brands before they bring them to me. And then I also do my own level of these are the ones that I, that I can get behind because I get it, or I like the leadership team, or I understand the business segment, et cetera. Um, because of my previous experience. So they, and, um, and, and, you know, fundamentally from, a um, you know, developing contracts with the franchisor. So I make sure I get paid and that kind of stuff. So right, that's really the, the, the fundamentals there, but in terms of the consulting process, the cons, you know, the it's my, my philosophy is experience share. Right. Hey, so you're, you, you've got questions about employees and, and they're hard to find. Yeah, I was in the massage business, and those a good massage therapist is hard to find. So right. this is what you're going to run into. It's right. true, and this is how you overcome it. And this is um, I tell people all the time: your job is every business has an issue. Your job is to find what that issue is, and do you have unique skills and abilities, or can you just grit it out and grind? Because sometimes sometimes you just have to grind. Yeah, there's right? some people I know that they'll be successful in anything. And just yeah. take no prisoners, grow a market. Yeah. So, so in your research, before you spend any money, right? Identify what those things are about that business. And yeah. before we bought elements, I knew that the massage therapists were tough. And okay, we'll figure it out. Right. We'll just this is, and we ended up building a. We sold our business based upon the stability of our team, which is really cool. Now, what what attracted you to massage business that that industry? Uh, so my wife and I have two different approaches and, and we look at the world differently in lots of different ways. Um, she, I, I liked the membership based business model. Yeah. Subscriptions are nice. It, it allows you to run the business. It's a very simple way to predictive cash flow, things like that. All of that. 67% of our revenue for the month came in the door on the first to the fifth. Yeah, nice. That's sexy. I mean, yeah. rent's covered, most of payroll's covered, a lot of marketing's covered, right? So fundamentally, that makes sense. Uh, we chose Elements because Elements was focused on therapeutic massage. We didn't do waxing. We didn't do facials. We didn't got sell it. product in the lobby. As soon as you sell product, you got to do sales tax. So then that's a more one more thing you got to do with the government, et cetera. Right. So in selecting whether we'd run with elements or run with hand and stone hand and stone was sort of a mirror of massage envy, bigger business, uh, more therapists, more rooms, bigger investment. Um, and, and my thought was, I want a business that's crazy, simple, simple equals scale and simple can be very profitable. Um, and so that's the reason that we went with elements. My wife loved, women's services. She really, she's really intuitive and very strong salesperson in her, her corporate life. Um, and she understood why that high-end customer is going to pay more right. for higher quality, et cetera. And so, and she wanted to sort of get out of the corporate rat race. Right. Right. And, but neither of you are massage therapists. No, no, no. Right. No. So that's what I'm saying. People, you don't have to say, Oh, I can't do that because I'm, a, I'm not a massage therapist. That had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And th- I tell people this all the time. We we had a coup, right? We had a bunch of employees that got mad. And so they all quit at the same time. So if we right. had eight massage therapists in a studio, we had four of them quit on the same day. Oh. If you're a massage therapist, you're going to step in and cover your cut, your schedule, right? Right. 
If you're not a massage therapist, your only choice is to buckle down and hire. Right. And so my you wife, should be doing, which is that's exactly my point. Right. Right. As the business owner, focus on what you're good at and don't try to be the, the because otherwise you get stuck in the business. Right. So that that ex, that experience was a very good story because my wife got really pissed and she dumped a bunch of money into Indeed and she interviewed eight hours a day for two days. So 16 hours. She came out of that with, so four people quit. Right. She came out of that with eight new massage therapists. Nice. What was, that staff. what was that message to the staff? Don't mess with me, man. Right. Because exactly. Two days, I'm you're not as valuable them. as you think. The, yeah. Stop thinking you're in control of this thing. And they also tried to steal our customers and whatever, because they were all kind of doing Uncompetes, it. They, right. They, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of letters from the lawyers. We showed the letters to the, you know, like, look, you got to own the business you want to build. Right. right. You got to build the business you want to own. And sometimes you got to make sure that you're in control this thing. So now as a, as a franchise guy for somebody out there listening to entrepreneurs, is there any industries that you like better than others from buying a franchise or does it really depend on different characteristics? It's not the industry. It's really, what does the, the, what does the candidate want? Right. So I spent a lot of time pulling out of the candidate. What are you really looking for? And that's going to guide me towards industry segment, to be honest with you. Um, And, and passion and what do you like has yeah. a lot to do with it, right? So I'm my fundamentals say, don't focus on your passion, focus on the fundamentals. But at the yep. same time, nobody buys a business they don't think is cool, right? Like, right. Well, that, your heart's got to be in it, right? Yeah, and you That's have important. to, you have to, you, know, you have to. Say, be, oh, we got a hot dog franchise. It's really profitable. And the guy's like, I don't even eat hot dogs. I don't like hot dogs. Well, that's going to be hard to get by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, exactly. and you know, well, it makes tons of the margin is unbelievable. Well, that's only going to take about half the right. people over the line, right? Of course, um, of course. So let so, me ask you, because um, I know we're running out of time. Um, how can people like interact with you, learn more from you, learn more about franchising? What's the best way to get in touch with you? So my, if you're interested in gathering information, www.franchiseyourfreedom.com is my okay. website. I've got okay. a, a bunch of different video clips and blog posts, et cetera, there. To Perfect. Kind of we'll put a it. link in the show notes. Yeah. The best way to get a hold of me is send me an email. Dweaver okay. at franchise.com. Dweaver at franchise.com. Okay. And then franchise, franchise, F-R-A-N-C-H-O-I-C-E. You got it. That's okay. exactly right. Yep. And right. then we can schedule a call. I'll, we'll, you know, my signature has my calendar link and et cetera. Right. Um, that's the, that is the easiest way to get a hold of me. But yeah, thank you for, thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and made to order music. For more information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinhacker and produced by Beinhacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at beinhackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.